while, Doug says, oh, I see. You already have an honest, hardworking man. Always exceeds expectations. No, you just can't do better than that. All right, thanks anyway. Then Doug hangs up, hands the phone back to his friend, and with a big smile and a chuckle says, uh, thanks a lot. And the friend can't help but ask, hey, Doug, uh, why are you so happy? I mean, weren't you just turned down for a job? And Doug smiles and says to his friend, no, I am the honest, hardworking guy who exceeds expectations. I just wanted to make sure that my boss thought so. <laughs> it's a cute story. Uh, it poses a serious question. Uh, what if you were to call your boss or supervisor and maybe disguise your voice and ask about the quality of your work? What would your employer say? Tomorrow is Labor Day. Observed on the first Monday of September, Labor Day is a federal holiday that celebrates the economic and social contributions of American workers. And so today seems like a good day to study what Scripture says about the Christ followers' work life. So would you please turn your Bible to Colossians, the Apostle Paul's letter to the ancient city of Colossae. Colossians chapter 3, we'll begin reading at verse 22. And let me just say that I am defining work as broadly as possible today. Uh, by work, I'm talking about whatever you do with your time and energy. So if you are a student, studying is your work. If you are a homemaker, your work is caring for your family. If you're unemployed, your work is job hunting or temporary jobs. If you're retired, whatever you do with your time and energy is your work. And defined this way, I just think about everybody here is a worker. And in God's eyes, if you are his child, it is of the highest importance that you work differently than the people around you who do not know God. So let's talk about faith at work by studying what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in ancient Colossae, Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So let's begin our study with the first word in verse 22. Paul gives instructions here to slaves. That's the first word. He gives instructions to slaves because very likely they were the majority of the congregation in the Colossae church, which is not too surprising because Colossae was part of the Roman Empire and slaves were the largest population group in the Roman Empire. In the Roman world, the slave and master relationship was the economic engine of the empire. It was really the employer-employee relationship of Paul's day. So at this point, we should just take a step back and... Uh, put the word slave into its first century context. When we think of slavery, we automatically think of the American South, uh, where slaves were massed often by the hundreds on plantations. 
and not always, but very often treated like agricultural beasts of burden with beatings and cruelty. This was not the slavery of the Roman world. Uh, Through the historical record, uh, we know that in the Roman world, slavery was more of a social class instead of a social crime. Uh, Being a slave in Roman society was being part of the lowest economic and social class, but it was also being part of the largest social class in the Roman world. Uh, In the economic system of uh, the first century, slaves were the workers and masters were the bosses and formed a rough parallel to the uh, employee-employer relationship today. Now, don't misunderstand me. I am in no way defending first century slavery. Slavery is always bad. I'm not trying to defend first century slavery. I'm just trying to define it. And defining it is very important because there are some people who misunderstand Paul in verse 22 when he says, Slaves, obey your masters and everything. Uh, Some people accuse Paul of endorsing the practice of enslaving human beings. This is false. This is just not the case. Uh, Paul is not approving of slavery He is addressing the reality of the social situation of the people in the Colossae church. Paul is not promoting slavery as something good in God's eyes. But catch this. Paul is promoting work as something good in God's eyes. And this is the teaching throughout Scripture. That in God's eyes, work is good. In the very... First chapter of Genesis, Scripture teaches that God is a worker and that I am created to be a worker in God's image. In the first two chapters of uh, the Bible, uh, we're told that God is a worker and God loves his job. Uh, At several points in the first day of uh, six days of creation, God stands back, looks at his work, and says, This is good. God loves his job. And when God created us in his image, he created us to, like him, be workers who enjoyed our work. And with this in mind, God put Adam in Eden and gave him a job. The job of tending and caring for the garden. And as long as Adam and God had an unbroken relationship, Adam found fulfillment in his work. But, of course, we know that Adam broke his relationship with God. And one of the side effects of the fall was that Adam's work lost some of its fulfillment. Such that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, we're told that Adam's broken relationship with God resulted in his work being cursed with a degree of futility and uh, frustration and hardship. But when we get to the New Testament... When we get to Jesus, Jesus comes into the picture as the Savior. And Jesus comes to reverse the curse in his people. Jesus gives his followers the power to overcome many aspects of the fall, including in the area of the curse on work. Uh, The followers of Jesus have the power to go beyond the curse 
and actually find fulfillment, renewed purpose in their work because of their restored relationship with God. And Paul is writing in Colossians here to people who have this power but don't know it. Paul is writing to people who because of their faith in Jesus have meaning and significance in their work, even as Roman slaves. And if this is true for Roman slaves, this is certainly true for you if you are a follower of Jesus. If you are God's child through faith in Jesus, you need to know that you have the power to overcome the curse and find true meaning and purpose in every area of your life, including your work life. Paul states this idea in a different way, in different words, in another letter that he wrote, Ephesians, where he says, You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good work which God has prepared in advance for you to do. So, God called you in Christ, and God created you in Christ for good work, which He has already set in place for you to do. God calls you to be a life worker, not a life waster. And this applies to everybody here. No matter what your stage, season, or station in life. But let me just speak for a moment to Christ followers who are retired or who think a lot about retirement in the future uh, and find yourself thinking about and planning about retirement in the future. Don't buy the temptation for you to make it your goal to one day in life do nothing. Don't make it your goal to do nothing but chase a golf ball around or sit on a beach watching sunsets. God has created you in Christ to do good work. Not so you can sit back and do nothing. Listen, I am not saying that it is sinful to move to Florida. But... Can I just vent for a moment? Uh, can I just vent for a moment as a pastor in New England? It is kind of frustrating uh, for us as uh, pastors uh, to bring people to salvation in Christ, uh, grow them through teaching, train them, uh, and get them mature enough so that uh, they can mentor young believers and really give back uh, to the church then it is frustrating to watch these people enter retirement when now they have all this time and experience and energy to devote to serving in the church. But instead of really making a difference, these people move to Florida and go on a meaningless search for the ultimate soft serve ice cream. They move to Florida so they can do nothing with a lot of other shuffling, do-nothing people until 5 p.m. every day when they all compete for chairs at the early bird dinner. And it's just, come on! You were created in Christ for good work. 
God has prepared something so much more for you than early bird dinners. And okay, now of course it's <laughs> it's just as bad uh, to go into retirement and take this do nothing attitude right here in Connecticut. Don't make it your goal in life to do nothing. Make it your goal to get involved in the lives of young believers who need encouragement or young people or make it your goal to devote time and energy to serve in the church and make an impact and make a difference because God has created you to be a life worker and not a life waster. But now, let's turn to the rest of God's Word here in Colossians chapter 3, which teaches two truths that go together like conjoined twins. The first truth is that whatever work a Christ follower does, it is work done for Christ Himself. And the second truth is that since all my work is done for God, all my work must be the best that I can do. So these two twins are inseparable. Truth one, all work done by a believer is done for God. And truth two, all work done for God must be at the believer's personal best. The first truth is that all work done by a Christ follower is work done for Christ himself. Paul states this directly in verses uh, 23 and 24 when he says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. But Paul also makes this same point indirectly through a really interesting wordplay. In the English version of our text, uh, there is a reference to master and a reference to Lord. But in Paul's Greek original, the word for master and Lord is the same Greek word. The Greek word kurios. So Paul engages in a word play here that should read something like this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the master, not human masters. Since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the master as a reward. It is Christ, the master, you are serving. Now, the reason kurios is used by Paul, it's translated master into the English, is because Paul is speaking to slaves. But if Paul was writing to contractors today, he would have said, it is Christ the foreman you are working for. If Paul was writing to corporate office uh, workers, he would have said, it is Christ the boss you are working for. If Paul was writing to students, he would have said, it is Christ, the teacher, you are working for. God's Word says that if you are in Christ, no matter what your station in life, no matter what your vocation is, you are working for Jesus, no one less. And this should change everything in, about the way I live, especially when it comes to my work life. How can I be a complainer about my job if I'm working for Jesus? How can I have a bad attitude at work if I am working for Jesus? And how can I do anything less than my personal dead level best if I am working for Jesus? 
That's the second of the two twin truths. Truth number one, all work done by a believer is work done for God. Truth two is all work, since it's being done for God, must be done at a believer's best. If I'm his child, God expects me to do my best for him, whether I'm a manager or a mom or a student or a stockbroker. And you may be saying, wait, you don't understand. My job is routine. My job is unimportant. I mean, when it comes to my 9 to 5 job, it's just to pay the bills. I'm not curing cancer. I'm making cabinets. I'm a homemaker. I'm not changing the world. I'm changing diapers. I don't know what you do for a living. But one thing I know, whatever you do, it is a step up from being a Roman slave. Certainly the Roman slaves that Paul wrote to were tempted to think, God doesn't care about my work. I'm just a slave. But God tells them, if you are a slave, you be the best slave you can possibly be because you have a master. That master is the one who gave his life for you. Jesus. And as we begin a new school year, can I just uh, say something especially to the students uh, listening to me right now? I know that when you're a student, maybe in middle school or high school or even in college, there's a strong temptation to land on one of either of two extremes. On the one extreme, there's this temptation to be a slacker who never really applies yourself, who doesn't excel, but instead just does enough to get by. And I know there's a temptation to say, I'm never going to use algebra in my real life, so forget about it. If you are at this extreme and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, don't listen to me, but would you listen to Jesus speaking to you through these words in Colossians, demanding that you do your best for him. On the other hand, uh, there's students who, who fall into the temptation of excelling for school for all the wrong reasons. If you are entirely motivated by some shallow goal to uh, get an Ivy League acceptance letter or uh, get a high-paying job, you're missing it. You are created in Christ to do your work for Christ. You are created for something so much higher and so much better than the motivation from all the students around you who don't know Jesus. You would have a much different motivation. Jesus calls you to do your best for Him, for His purpose in your life. Now, obviously, this goes way beyond just students. And this applies to all of us, no matter where we are. Jesus is calling me to glorify him with my dedication to excellence. Whatever my job is, I must do my best as a way of showing gratitude to my one and true master who gave his life for me. Cecil Baton is famous in the uh, Toronto area uh, because... A reporter for a Toronto newspaper conducted a very interesting experiment. Uh, he lifted the hood of his new, well-tuned car, and he intentionally 
loosened an obvious wire and then drove uh, with his car chugging into a dozen different service stations around Toronto. And uh, he would leave his car and then come back to mechanic bills ranging from 300 to $1,000 when the reporter knew that all they did was just tighten uh, a loose wire. Only one exception. The only one exception was the service station owned by Cecil Baton. When the reporter came back to get his car, Cecil gave him the keys and said, no charge. And the reporter chronicled how he said, uh, what do you mean, no charge? And Cecil opened the hood and said, see that wire right there? It was loose. Uh, it took me quite a while to find it, but when I found it, it just took me two minutes to fix it. And then the reporter uh, pushed on Cecil, uh, taking out his wallet and saying, well, come on, I've got to pay you something for your time. And then the reporter wrote about Cecil Baton's response. Baton said, listen, friend, I'm a Christ follower, and I'm trying to run my business like Jesus would. And so, like I said, no charge. And the reporter wrote this uh, into an article about Cecil Baton in the, Sun, in the Saturday newspaper. The following Saturday, Cecil Baton took out a full-page ad in that same newspaper. Uh, Cecil took out a full-page ad in which he asked people to stop bringing their cars to his service station. <laughs> that it was getting dangerous, that the volume of cars was backing up on the roads, and, uh, and please also to those civic uh, leaders that he cannot take any more speaking engagements, and uh, to publishers, no, he did not want to write a book. Which is just to show that if you adopt a faith-at-work lifestyle, you will stand out in this world. If you really approach your job, your work, your life, like you are working for Jesus, you will stand out in your workplace or wherever you are. If you really live out this gratitude, what, where whatever you do, you do your very best because it's for Jesus, you will stand out in this world. And God promises you that in His time and in His way, you will be rewarded. So, today is a day of rest. Tomorrow is Labor Day. But on Tuesday and every day after that, would you decide now that you will get your faith at work?